Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Got a great show for you this week. Going to be talking Lord of the Rings. Going to be talking to guest Darren Castellano. I hope I'm saying that right with Steve, who is an artist. With no further ado, on to the news. Every moment matters at Avamir at Sherwood. Find your mom or your dad's next home in our assisted living and memory care community with a focus on safety during COVID-19. Visit avamiratsherwood.com to find out what it means to live life-enhanced. What's in the news? New Amazon offerings. This is kind of cool. So Amazon Prime Day is coming up on the 13th and 14th of October this year. They pushed it back because of COVID. And for that, they are debuting some new products. There's a new Alexa smart speaker that is kind of cool. It's a spherical shape. They even have a version of it with a clock in it that's going to be kind of fun. And it's an update to the popular device. Some of the more unique products are a thing called Car Cam. So you can say, hey, I'm being pulled over, and it will automatically start recording and send a notification to loved ones that you're being pulled over. It also has the ability to text you if anything weird is going on with your car, is connected, all that kind of thing. So that's an interesting device. But the one that I am going to have to get that I think is really cool is something that's part of the Ring Alarm system, and it's a drone that flies around your house for security. (laughs) Oh, yes, that sounds perfectly safe. (laughs) I could just see dogs and cats chasing after this thing. Uh (laughs) It's a fun little device. It's going to be about $250, and you put the docking station outside somewhere, and then Alex actually has the ability to fly around and see what's going on around your house. So, I mean, you know. Okay, if you're putting it outside, then you're going to have neighbor's kids trying to catch it. Well, I wouldn't put it inside. That would be a little weird. But uh, (laughs) I guess you could. Um, So anyway, we'll go ahead and see how that works out. But there's a lot of new stuff, very much worthwhile. And if you buy from small business on Amazon, you can get a $10 credit to use during Prime Day. This week marks the 131st year since Nintendo's founding. Yeah, that sounds a little unusual. Nintendo, which of course makes the video game systems, has actually been around a lot longer than the Nintendo Entertainment System. And this actually goes back, this is the 131st year since they were founded. I believe they started making playing cards. Yes, they did. So that's kind of cool. It's kind of interesting to know how a lot of these companies did get a start prior to what you would think of them as doing today. Hacker in Tesla case pleads not guilty. So this is kind of an interesting and a little bit scary twist to the whole idea of hacking. So Mm -hmm. most of the time when you hear about hacking, you hear about the idea of someone trying to get into a network from the outside. In this particular case, and this is not the only place it's happened, is allegedly an individual was sent in and hired by the company to put malware in the computer system within that company. And in this particular case, that's one of those events. The uh, individual that's accused of it has pled not guilty. But the idea of this going further, because this just goes to show how much money there actually is in hacking and things related to it, it is definitely something to be careful of. And if you work for a bigger company, there's always been the idea of trying to get into the network. One of the biggest ways that they've done that in the past is someone will drop a USB flash drive or something of that nature in the parking lot. Someone will pick it up on their way in and go, what's on the flash drive? And then when they put it in, it installs malware. So this is kind of a step up from that, but uh, definitely something to be concerned about. Los Angeles Comic-Con to proceed. So what do you think about this? It's set for December. And the dates of this are supposed to be December 11th through the 13th. I had to look for that. 
Anyway, well, it, it sounds like it could be kind of cool if they've gotten all their their stuff in order. Like you know, they've got all their hand sanitizers, and everybody's going to have to wear a mask and you know not crowd around everything. Yeah, it's the crowds. I I in the bathroom. I mean, you know, it could be done well. Yeah, I, I love think. that concern. The crowds in the bathrooms, but that is really a concern. And hey, you know, I've seen long lines to the bathrooms and things like that. And if they don't keep those places clean then there's a problem. Even like the, the um, areas where people eat, mm-hmm. uh, often the, the tables and things can, and I'm not pointing out Los Angeles Comic Con specifically, just Comic Cons in general, that sometimes the, the eating areas can get dirty. Does Woodmark the first one in the area down there with both the big San Diego Comic Con and WonderCon being canceled this year due to COVID? And what the producers are saying is that they're renting the entire convention center, so it's going to be quite a bit more physical space. Than yeah, you have that in past year, so that uh, they have the ability to do social distancing within the center. I don't know. I mean, I think we're looking at this from a standpoint. I know we'd like to go, but it really comes down to if it's safe or not. You know. Yeah, there's there's also the travel concerns. Yeah, travel concerns, hotel stays, all the stuff that goes mm-hmm. along with this. I know I'm feeling a little bit stir crazy myself, as I think most people are, and they say that most people canceled their summer vacation this year, so a lot of People would like something to go do, but the question is, is it too early, and is it something that's really worth taking the risk? And we're not going to know. I mean, a lot could happen this fall, and a lot could not happen, and uh, it's just going to depend on where it is. The other event that's still set to proceed right now is the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, also in December, around the same dates. And it's the same idea. Is it worth going to this, or is it not? And I know a lot of people are pulling out of these events that are still happening because of COVID, the vendors, and that type of thing. So is the event even going to be worth attending? You know, this is all stuff we'll watch coming up here and kind of see what happens and how this goes together. They are going to do a virtual version of it. So one way or the other, we'll be able to cover it. Just we'll have to see if we can actually go down to it or not. You know, some of these events might turn out to be first locals as opposed to the people who come from out of town. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and some of the virtual events have been pretty good. I know we had a guest on from Wizard World a few months ago about theirs and a lot of the companies are doing that. Pop uh, that does the uh, Seattle Comic Con has had virtual events, and the bottom line of it is, it's still kind of fun to be able to see this stuff. And Jeremy, I hear you're doing a MakerCon with Adam Savage coming up too, virtually. Yeah, actually, he's got a, a whole thing set up, and it was a limited number of participants. And you you get a Amazon show, and you watch the the thing, and you work with him on building something. And then next year at the Comic Con, you bring your built object, and there's a contest. So okay, so you have a contest. Cool. So this would be in 2021. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so no, I'm looking for. I'll tell you what. When the day comes that we can actually go safely back to big events, that's going to be a fun weekend. Whenever it happens, um, but this type of thing is kind of cool, and there's a lot more interactive. I don't think any of it completely replaces the actual on-site experience. No, um, but it's yet. better than nothing. And I understand, and we'll talk about it later, that there's going to be a very good virtual wizard world coming up in a few weeks. So probably their best. All right. What else do we have? Office 365, Credit One Bank, and others suffer outages. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that gets frustrating. I ran into this with US Bank this week as well. Wasn't so much an outage, but they had updated their software and it wouldn't work with my Chrome configuration all of a sudden. And the thing of it is, is when you're getting to your money online, and all of a sudden can't get into the bank accounts, or a step worse, Office 365, and what that is for anybody that doesn't know, is all the software that Microsoft makes for uh, offices like Word and Excel and Outlook and that kind of stuff. 
And they've moved to a version now of it, instead of it being installed as a subscription that you pay monthly for, and that's Office 365, all of a sudden wouldn't work. So you show up to work or sit down to do your activities of the day, and all of a sudden you can't get into your email or get into your word processor because the primary system's down. And this is one of the biggest issues with cloud-based everything, Mm -hmm. is the fact that you do have this central choke point in a way, and if something goes wrong with that, you have a lot of people that suffer from it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that I've been complaining about since they decided it was a great idea. Yeah. As, as, as soon as there's an internet outage, you could have all the power you need. Your your building could light up everything. But if you can't get on the internet and can't get the, the, the thing, then you can't do your work. And that seems to, to me to be a really bad idea. Yeah. I, and I, I know as someone that used to do server administration for a living, it was one thing if you had a problem that you could fix it. But if something goes out on a cloud-based system like this, there's nothing you can do. You just have to sit and wait. Yeah. So anyway, everything got fixed after the fact. Credit One Bank was in maintenance mode as they put it for about two days. Office 365 was all of the workday for the most part. And then they rolled back a change and evidently were eventually able to get it back up. But just something to think about here. And if you get on and something doesn't work, it may not even be your fault. I don't know, guys. I think the idea of sometimes staying with locally installed software, at least for now, makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. So, oh, yeah. So I understand we have an anniversary coming up this week, or it just happened a week ago, actually. Yeah, it's uh, Charlie Brown. He's been around for 70 years. Charlie Brown. I remember the that's, Christmas that's movie. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. And, uh, and from what I understand, it's 70 years on the comic strip and 55, I think, since the Charlie Brown Christmas came out. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. It's definitely something I remember over the holiday season every year. I mean, you know, we used to always watch that. And Gretchen, you're a fan of Charlie Brown. Oh, yeah. Um, The only reason why I know about it is because of I'm playing this cute little, um, like, video game. Yeah, Charlie. Is it Snoopy or Charlie Brown? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, well, everybody's in it. So. Yeah, and it's really <laughs> cute. <laughs> yeah, a tablet-based game. No, that's really cool. It's like a SimCity uh, Charlie Brown thing. <laughs> it's I have really to check cute. it out and tell us about it. Got a great show for you this week. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Jeremy and Gretchen, you guys have an update for us on the ongoing Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we're still doing our comparison and con- contrast between the movie and the books. Yep. And um, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where you have to think about the director had to cut things down and make it shorter because these are really long books. And he also had to think about what would be visual Mm-hmm. And and how to make it go smoothly and quickly. And remember, they also they released an extra extended edition of the, of both of all the movies. Yeah. So you've got two different versions of the film. Right. And if you haven't seen the extended things, um, and I think it's been a while since I've seen those. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, um, one of the differences is that the Ents, you remember the Ents, Fangorn? Mm-hmm. Um, this takes three days. Okay. For them to decide in the books. And yeah, we have no idea how long it took in the movie. Yeah, it, it, it's not something that's really explained. And you get exposed to this beautiful, almost like Ent way of life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you read the books, you'll get that. Um, 
Then we have a situation where Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are looking for Merry and Pippin because they've disappeared. Right. And that takes a lot longer in the book. And at one point, they actually think that they see a spectral Saruman guy, you know, Mm -hmm. near the woods. And that's not something I don't recall in the movie. They didn't mention that until they were actually in the forest and had found them. Ah, okay. All right. And then um, the meeting between Theoden and um, where where Gandalf comes in and does this dramatic thing where he yeah. removes the, the evil from the king, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen either. Oh. <laughs> it, it's very different. So, and, and, you know, it's not that either one is bad. They're both good. It's just different. Right. So when you read the books, don't expect it to go the way as the movie. So you're going to get a brand new thing to experience. If you haven't read the books, uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was the whole way uh, Helm's Deep was handled. Now, I really liked the movie, mm-hmm. but it also is really good in the book. And it's different, completely different. Uh, I remember when I watched the movie, I was really upset when the elf uh, leader guy dies. Yeah. He doesn't die in the book. Does he show up? No. The oh, elves wow. do not show up. I see. Even though I loved that scene, that was an amazing scene in the movie. You know, and you're just like, oh, here comes the elves. They've put, they're like the cavalry in yes. an old Western. <laughs> and they don't, that doesn't happen. That's, that's surprising. Yeah. One thing that does happen is that Gimli ends up into the back caves of mm-hmm. this Helm's Deep area. And it turns out these caves are beautiful. I mean, like beautiful crystals and things. Ah, you don't see, don't see any that. of this. And Gimli um, makes a deal with Legolas that he wants to go back and see the caves. And uh, Legolas, being an elf, he wants nothing to do with that. So they make a deal that, um, and 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 Legolas wants to see Fangorn uh, Forest, mm-hmm. and Gimli doesn't want to do that. So they make a deal that they would both have the courage to visit both of these places together if they survive what is about to occur. So their friendship is really genuine. So you see that in the movie Mm. as well as in the book. Um, Then there's these other creatures. Um, You have the ants, Mm -hmm. you know, like Fangorn or Treebeard, Mm -hmm. because that's that's his name. His name is Treebeard, but it's also Fangorn. Okay. And that's why the forest is called Fangorn. Yeah. Um, but there's these other like, uh, life forms called, I think it's Hurons and they're like wild trees Hmm. and these wild trees assist in the battles. So that's kind of an interesting idea. And the whole events that happen at Isengard are very different too. And you really, you have to read the books. I I think, um, you're going to get it. It's, it's a different experience and it's, it's a lot of fun. You can sit there and remember both versions. Right. And I like the movie as well as the books. So, um, and it was kind of fun to be reminded what I'd read when I was a kid. Do you have any? Well, I, I read the books when I was in high school. Um, and, you know, I, I read them every now and then. But, you know, here's another another thing. Is go back and read the books. Bill, what have you, have you read these? Yeah, I've read, I've read the books. I actually read the books, I think, a lot more recently than some others have. Uh, and I actually read the books after I saw the movie. So I kind of did it backwards, I guess. I don't know uh-huh. if that's backwards or not, but uh, <laughs> a lot of people do that. And you know, one of the questions we've been asked in the past about this is you kind of touched upon this a little bit, but I think it's worth investigating a little more. If you've seen the movies, is it also worth reading the books or vice versa? 
And will you have a completely different experience? I think you will. Yep. Um, because the books are, are different. And there's a lot of the poetry and the music and stories. Um, Gandalf explains all kinds of things about the Palantirs, those round balls mm-hmm. that Seeing you can the see through. Yeah, the, the thing that uh, makes Pippin see Saruman yeah. and, uh, and, and has that scary moment. Well, that's completely different, too. But um, Gandalf actually explains that there were a whole bunch of these. And there's like a, a whole lore and history that is uh, going on. So, you know. Yeah. I think so, the, you know, I, go ahead, that, Jeremy. I was going to say that the, the idea is that we've seen uh, different adaptations between books and movies before where it, they have to leave out a, a plot line or a story arc or something in order to make the movie fit into a specific amount of time. Like the house elves in, in Harry Potter. Right. Um, that whole thing was, was left out. And I think it was just to save time. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't cover absolutely everything unless you want to have a 30 hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> but in <laughs> so many you got to, you know, pick your, pick your battle and. Well, you know, in Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, like the, the prequels, it was really hard to explain all these events. Right. So when they did the Clone Wars, they got a chance to give you a better idea of how Anakin, uh, this idealistic kid, becomes Darth Vader. Right. And you can see more of a slow progression because you have more time to do so. So these things are not easy. These are not easy stories to tell. Well, I'll no. tell you one thing. They might have more time to do so, but we're about to run out here. <laughs> so I think, you know, just, just in closing on that, it's not like the movies aren't as good as the books, but they are different and it's a different experience and it's actually worth doing both. Yes. So this is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where we answer your questions. And in order to do that, we need you to send them to us, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlynation.com on the web, or give us a call, 503-766-6264. What do we have this week? Is Bluetooth safe? This is a listener question because of all of the contact tracing and things that they want to do using Bluetooth, and the fact that uh, there have been some issues over the past with this. It's important to point out that the Bluetooth technology, which a lot of people assume is just for running headsets, actually can do a lot more. It's a short-range networking technology, which means it works in close proximity to the receiver. So that's why you can't go too far away from your phone with your headset. It's used in a lot of different things. uh, Things like the PlayStation 4 uses it for the controllers. There's a lot of TV remotes and full-on networking. A lot of times, if you transfer files from an old tablet to a new tablet. It'll do that over Bluetooth. So it's actually capable of quite a bit more than just running a headset. And as that is the case here, there also can be some security problems with it. And this is an issue that's really coming to light right now with Apple and Google wanting to do contact tracing where the way that it works is it automatically uses the low-powered version of the current Bluetooth technology to detect where you are and if you're in proximity to somebody else's phone that may have been infected with COVID. From this kind that, of that sounds like the phone is infected. <laughs> I was going to say too, but it's, it's, I understand I'm the concept. Sorry. Yeah, that comment has been made, by the way, and uh, 
<laughs> you know, so a lot of Your people are gave my phone COVID. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people are opting out of uh, using the contact tracing because of some of these concerns. And Bluetooth actually does offer the capability that if somebody was able to get into your device in close proximity, they could conceivably get into things like your contacts and financial records and other things that are in the phone. So it is something to be concerned about. Best thing here, like anything else, is to use the newest version and also make sure you know what your Bluetooth is doing. And you can do that from the settings inside of your Android or your iPhone. What is a flash briefing? Well, we're on it. Um, <laughs> so no, this, but really, what, what is a flash briefing? <laughs> this, is, this is something that, that Amazon has. You can get it over your Echo Smart Speaker, and a lot of different news channels, our show does it, a lot of different people use this, where what you can actually do is assemble your own news briefing. So what you do is you go into the skills on your Amazon app, and you decide what you want to listen to. So say you wanted to listen to NPR, and certainly user-friendly, and your local news station, and, and so on. Most of these people are going to have a skill, and you put that together, and then you say, Alexa, what is my flash briefing? And now we'll have started that all over the place here. But that's how <laughs> that works, and that's how you get that information. So what a flash briefing is, is the ability for you to go in and decide what news outlets you want to listen to, put them together, and then be able to get updates from all those outlets once a day or whenever they publish the updates. What are Amazon One payments? Yeah, this is out of uh, you know super sci-fi, I think, a little bit. Amazon at their stores has been for a long time now allowing you to pay with your app. So you can go in and, and pick stuff out. We have an Amazon bookstore here in Portland. They have the Amazon Go grocery stores, convenience stores, that type of thing that are using that technology. They're taking this a step up with biometrics. So instead of needing your phone, you just swipe your hand over a device and it reads your palm. Oh, good. And the palm print Ew. charges whatever you're buying to your account. So that's what Amazon One payments are. Okay, that's kind of creepy. Makes me think of Logan's Run. Yeah, well, that's why I was saying sci-fi. It's just, it is. <laughs> okay, what is ransomware exactly? Ransomware is a type of malware that will deny you access to your files or your information on a computer or a smart device until you pay money to get them back. Now, the problem with this is, is if people didn't pay the ransom, there wouldn't be ransomware. So that's issue number one. It does make money for the bad actors to put this stuff together. But it's getting to a point now where there's ransomware and smart devices. And one of the interesting things I saw when looking into this for today's story was the idea of a hacked coffee maker. Yep. And uh, Jeremy, I know this was something you saw too. So it's a coffee maker that's a smart device. And once the ransomware gets into it, it says, once your machine back, and then it gives you a website to go through and make a payment via Bitcoin or one of those virtual currencies. Now, the problem with ransomware and this type of thing is the fact that, number one, you don't know for sure that you're going to get your files back, whatever that may be. Some of the bigger places like uh, hospitals and school districts, I understand that something like this may have happened in Las Vegas and Clark County there. If they pay the fees to get the information back, you don't know if your machine still is operating properly because we have no idea the quality of the software that's doing this. And then the second part of it is, is you can send a large Bitcoin payment. And there's no way to enforce the idea that they would say, well, uh, here's your stuff back. It may just say, thank you for your money, and it never happens. So it's something to be careful of. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Keep sending us your questions. We'll be back after the break.
Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer with his guest, Darren Castellano. Well, thanks, Bill. You know, sometimes when you're doing lots of projects, you meet some really, really interesting people. And who I have with me today is a really, really good buddy that um, has I've been associated with for, gosh, probably close to seven years on different sets. Um, his name is Darren Castellano. And Darren, thank you for joining us here on User Friendly. Um, what we're talking about today is uh, Darren has this extraordinary talent of digital photography. So, um, Amigo, have you always wanted to do photography? Pretty much my whole life, yeah. Pretty much your whole life. So, um, now you were telling me before uh, coming into the interview that you even you were pursuing this study in high school, and the problem with it was even though you were really hooked on photography, you couldn't do film-based photography because of the darkroom chemicals that you were uh, dangerously allergic to them. Dangerously allergic, yes. Um, I knew I wanted to be a professional photographer, but I also knew that I'd have to develop my own pictures if I was going right. to get any real work. Sure. And when I found out that uh, I couldn't be around those chemicals, kind of squashed it for me, so. <laughs> And then, and then enter digital. So when when digital photography came around, um, you re-pursued it. I did. Um, I my first camera was a little uh, four megapixel. I want I want to say it was a Sony, but I can't remember if it was a Sony or an Olympus or okay. something. But it was a four megapixel camera. Sure. But I was very disappointed in the quality, even compared to the film at that time. It was right. it just wasn't adequate and. Was kind of a big letdown, but I knew down the road that they would probably get better, and and it did. Now, some of the things that I've noticed in terms of the type of types of photos that you take is uh, you do. I, I wouldn't call it portraiture, but I've I've seen some really interesting setups where you do fantasy type of photography, where you put your models in in yeah. all, like fairy costumes. Exactly. <laughs> and, I know that sounds crazy. No, no, no. I don't, I don't have a uh, predilection for <laughs> fantasy stuff, but um, I knew that that I could get really creative in the sets. And um, here around Reno, we have some beautiful, beautiful country from Tahoe yes. to, to oh, the Truckee River. over the place. And I wanted to use those, those backgrounds in a unique way. So I, I thought to myself, man, it would be really cool to do something yeah. that – that people might put on their wall, not just as a as a background, but as a as a fantasy. So do do some fairies and okay. wizards. Yes, <laughs> things. Well, like you know, that. you're talking to the right crowd here. <laughs> okay. Here, user friendly. Uh, most of the folks that you that you come across or that are interested in the show are, are a lot of them are cosplayers. They a lot of them go to comic cons, uh, the Wizarding World, gaming world. So you're you're kind of talking to the right audience here. Now, you just mentioned uh, Tahoe, Reno, Truckee area. I noticed that a lot of your wonderful photography are landscapes, and that, that, seems, to be, that seems to be a favorite for you. My favorite type of landscape shooting takes place at night. Okay. Under the moon. That's, that's my favorite. So, that you're, so you're, a lot of times your lighting source is moonlight. The moonlight is my main lighting source at night. And if the moon isn't cooperating – or it's not in phase, then I use early dawn, okay, pre pre sun up, um, 
sundown. Okay, so like, like golden out the ma- golden hours. Magic hour. Well, yeah, exactly. what we like to call magic hour. Sure. So you get very orange, very glowy. Exactly. Okay, because I, I you've um, showed me some of the samples of what you've done, and, and I will say they're very striking. They're very amazing. And what I've noticed is that sometimes I don't know if I'm looking at something that was shot in sunlight or shot under moonlight because of the way you expose them, because of the way you you film them. So as you're taking these photos, um, you're using you're doing some enhancements with them. You're you're right. a, a Lightroom user. Well, you're also a Photoshop user. Yeah. Yes. Okay. First of all, I'm their time exposures at night. So in other words, they're not a quick. It's not a quick snap. Right. Okay. It can last anywhere from uh, three quarters of a second to 30 seconds. Wow. For, that, for the aperture to be open for, for to, uh, total exposure. Okay. To get the light that I need on the sensor. Okay. And so some of the file sizes. Now, when you're, when you're shooting this, you're not shooting it in a compressed no. – uh, you're not using JPEG. You're, uh, I mean, you're actually shooting in RAW. I, yes. Okay. I and that makes sense because you 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 hold on to much of the original data. Your contrast ratios are going to be a lot much deeper because you have the detail. Um, so the file, the resulting file size of some of these, uh, in particular the the raw files, you're you're pushing you know fifty, sixty, seventy something megabytes. Megabytes. megabytes yeah, exactly. Because you're and the the camera the the sensor that you're using. It's. I think you mentioned it was like a twenty megapixel, thirty megapixel. Well, my my drone stills that I take from the air okay. are twenty megapixels. Oh, that's right. My, I'm so, okay. my Nikon's that I use are thirty six megapixel and forty six megapixel pixel, which actually translates to forty six million yes. megapixels. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> we were looking at some of the file sizes, and sure enough. Uh, there were a few that you hadn't done in any editing with yet that were ranging between seven and a half, eight thousand pixels by four thousand or five thousand pixels, which is quite frankly a pretty large file. Huge. Yes. So now, once you've done enhancements, once you've uh, brought out some of the characteristics in the photo that you wanted to exploit in in the software, what do you do with it at that point? Like, do you are these available for the public? They will be. I'm getting ready to open uh, up a website. Okay. Uh, I've been working on it for a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, it's not finalized just yet, but I'm hoping within the next couple of weeks it will be launched. Okay. And it'll have 10 years worth of my work on there. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I didn't I- want to I'll be honest with you. I'd, for years, I've wanted to get a website going, but I thought, you know what? I really need a bigger body of work Sure. that I was proud of before I actually displayed it. Now I'm I'm more than proud of it, and uh, yeah, I'm I mean, selling a lot of it offline. Okay, by word of mouth, and people huh. can see my worker. Yeah, I mean the these images are amazing, and I'm I'm hoping that we'll have some kind of link or or some way on the user friendly webpage uh, that people can learn about you, or they can come to a website or see some samples of what you've done, because between the landscapes, between some of the uh, the fantasy images. There, a lot of these are just really, really striking. Very high detail, um, and just they're very artistic. They're they're extremely artistic. So, in fact, to the point where they don't always. They sometimes look more like a painting. That's intention. Than they are photorealistic. Exactly. So yeah. So it's just a, it's really a lot of fun. Um, 
And I think as your website gets in place, you know, we're, we're able to let people know how to get in touch with you because you do have quite, quite the gallery going here. And I think there, I, in fact, I know for a fact, because I'm interested in a lot of these, I know a lot of our users would probably love having some of these photos adorn their walls. So Darren Castellano, my friend, thank you so much for joining us here on, on User Friendly today. And we'll check back with you in the future. My pleasure, Steve. All thank right, you. sir. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, back to you in the studio. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. Always love Lord of the Rings and always love Steve's guests. You know, uh, being able to do some fantasy work and, and artwork and that type of thing is really cool. Subscribe to, subscribe to our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing. We've now talked about what that is a little earlier in the show. And hmm. if you add us to it, you'll get weekly updates on what is happening in tech. Send us your questions and your comments. 503-766-6264. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. And as the year is going by, and we haven't really had a lot of new movies coming out, we've been reviewing and talking about some of the different things we've seen on television, streaming media, that type of thing. And I understand you both have a new, I don't know if it's new, show, cartoon, I think it is, Mm -hmm. that you've talked about. So uh, tell us a little bit about that, since obviously I know nothing about it. Okay, well, this is, uh, we mentioned it last week, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's on Netflix. It's um, based around the Jurassic Park um, books and movies. movies, and it's called Camp Cretaceous. Yep. I hope I'm saying it. So, yeah, it's a 3D animated cartoon based on the last set of movies and the books. So, you got information from both sources, and it's basically like they've finally gotten the park where they kind of want it, and so they've got people coming to the park and being visitors, and they've opened up a um camp for kids to come to see dinosaurs and all that cool stuff so they've got kid the first set of kids are trying out how that's going to work out and um Things i'm going to let wrong. you guys agree or disagree on whether or not it actually works out <laughs> but there's like what is it eight episodes I mm-hmm. think? there's eight, eight episodes which seems to be a standard season these days and um this is i believe an original thing for mm-hmm. netflix and it's kind of a fun um it's kind of a fun kids cartoon but the kids aren't dumbed down, and neither are the stories or the, um, I would say, the tension. The tension, yes. Yeah. It, 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 so it, I think it's a good, fun thing to watch. No, it sounds interesting. Is it suitable for families, or is it something more for adults? Uh, well, I it's a family families. family thing. It's Definitely. it's basically a kid's cartoon. Um, you know, there's nothing terrifying or anything. It's just like if you watched a movie. With Those, PG, some of the dinosaurs so. are pretty intense. Yeah, so they're, they're well done. Well, I think we can <laughs> deal with intense dinosaurs. It's just. I know some of the stuff we're going to talk about this in future weeks on streaming media can be a little, um, you know, gory? they doesn't have the same rating systems, let's just say, that they use for broadcast television. Yeah. So, gory and everything else. Oh, what was that superhero that I had a hard time watching the video of? He was all dressed in bra- bla- uh, red, and um, the stories were well done, but it was kind of gruesome and violent. Oh, dare, uh, that was uh, Daredevil. Oh, Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, really well done, but uh, a little too violent for... <laughs> You know, an- another one that's like that, I've kind of been enjoying it, is called The Boys. It's an Amazon streaming thing. Yeah. Yeah, we and, were into that for a while, and it got kind of creepy, too. Yeah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> intense. So, 
All right, upcoming events. There are two. I don't know if we're going to them or not. We'll see if they're safe. The Star Trek convention in December. Also, the Los Angeles Comic Con is happening in December. We talked about that a little bit earlier. We'll let you know if we're going to be there or not. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.